Question. What do you do with a broken item? Let's just say a plate. You're walking, the plate drops, shatters into a hundred pieces. What do you do with the plate? You have two options. One, you fix the plate, super glue it back together, kind of polish it up, hide the cracks, or you throw it away. Which one did you choose? Now, I truly want you to think about your answer because we're going to be talking about a similar topic about brokenness and imperfection and the beauty that lies within, but through the lens of our culture. Today on On Top of the Mount. Welcome to another episode on On Top of the Mount. I am your host, Darren Waddles. I want to take the opportunity right now to outreach to you and thank everyone that has been participating and listening. I really would like you to continue to share this podcast. Uh, Subscribe to this podcast on whichever uh, application that you are listening on. Uh, Share it on Facebook. You can add me as a friend, uh, Darren Ray Waddles, and you can subscribe and follow me on Instagram or on Twitter at D underscore Ray Waddles. So without further ado, grab yourself a hot cup of joe or a hot tea and let's get ready and start the show. To start off today's show, I'm going to address the elephant in the room because people have started to ask. I'm alive. I'm here. Uh, I I have been gone for a little over a month in the podcast world, uh, but uh, my schedule has been booked with various different things, and I apologize, and I am back. Uh, so, with that said, we're going to move on into <laughs> today's topic, uh, which... As I stated, I started off the show talking about a broken item. What are you going to do with it? And we're just going to assume whether it be a plate, a mug, or a bowl, something like that, uh, something breakable. What do you do with that? Most people would go the fast avenue of, I'm going to get a broom, sweep it up, throw it away. Just buy a new one. That product that broke has lost value to me. That's how our society looks at anything broken is to toss it out. Now, that has been the case for a long time uh, because of our Western ideals. I'm going to move it into the perspective of art. The ideals of Western uh, ways of thinking when it comes to the art world, when it comes to uh, appealing to the eye, uh, beauty, 
has to do with balance, symmetry, color. These are the aspects that please our Western idealistic eyes. That's how we look at mm, people that we would like to date. That's how we look at homes. That's how we look at uh, artwork. That's how we look at cars. We look at it for what it looks like, but not what it is. For people out there, which I am not a car guy. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, not going to go into detail on this one because I don't really know about the ins and outs on vehicles, but you're not going to just buy a car based off of its looks. Now, some of you might, but there are more technical and mechanical things that you would like to know about that car before you bought it. Now, it could be the slickest, coolest looking car on planet Earth. But if it runs like a Model T, mm-mm, you don't want that jalopy. But here's the ironic thing about it, is though we may look at a car that way and really investigate all the ins and outs of the car, and even though it may be beautiful, there may be imperfections on the inside, we'll deny it. Or it could be old and... It has beauty on the inside, but the exterior needs some work. We'll get that vehicle. It could be an antique uh, Ford. Those look pretty cool. I wouldn't drive a Ford, but that's just me. But I do love the old-style Fords. Those are pretty cool. Now, we may look and do those things with a car, but how do we react to people? Think about that. How do we react to people given the same circumstances? Do we treat that person the same as we would that vehicle? Absolutely not. We look at people at face value. And that is because of our Western culture. And that is most prevalent when we look into art. Now, in Western culture, there's a lot that our culture revolves around. Primarily, everything that we do and use in modern, globalized society comes from the Western ideals from Greek and Latin. Even our language is based in Greek and Latin. Our government is based off of Rome and the Grecian states. That's how far and how deep our culture is wrapped around those two ideals. Democracy, republic, the way we do architecture, the way we speak, everything revolves around the Greeks and the Romans. Before they came up with their philosophies and their systems and their 
scientific methods of doing things. Most societies dealt with an archaic design in which all humans are naturally born with. A very archaic or primitive style of doing things. If you look at a small child somewhere along the ages of, you know, let's say 5 to 10 years old, that is a very archaic design. It's very primitive. That is how we naturally come into the world to create the illusion of what we see onto paper or stone or put it into clay or Play-Doh, whichever your medium was. That is natural. But we learned how to expand those skills into something beyond what humans were naturally capable of doing. We specialized in the field of artwork. That is when the Greeks come in. There are different types of Greek art, and I'm not going to go into all that. That can be a subject for another day, but it starts off with the archaic design. Simple uh, looking things. kind of looks like uh, the Egyptian artwork that we know today. Uh, very stiff, uh, looks like, uh, you know, uh, the hieroglyphics and how you did the dance, like uh, uh, walk like an Egyptian. It, it, it's very robotic. But then they figured out the human form. The human form is not robotic. It's full of motion. And that is where the design of more of a naturalistic, eye-pleasing approach came from. And where they spent more time on their pieces of art. And they developed a beautiful artwork that looked just like a human in a statuette form. And when they learned how to manipulate that skill, they went a next step. And that is what was pleasing to them. The idealistic version of ourself, of what we would prefer us to look like. When the Romans took over, they took a next step beyond that, and they got super detailed on how they did their artwork and their statues and how they did their architecture. They, they went up to the Greeks on almost everything. But there, when they created this new system of what is pleasing to the eye, what most appeals to our human nature, that didn't stop there. That went on to everything. It went on into government. It went on into music. It went on into everything that we do. I really love the sermons 
uh, that uh, Brother uh, Court Chavis has done in the past, uh, particularly the Trojan Horse, and where he talks about how music has been manipulated. Music was made for worship, but it has been manipulated for self-gratification, for the things that are pleasing. And that is why the market is flooded in it, is because we are easily distracted by the things that please us and that we like. And that derives from this westernized culture, is because culture, when practiced, becomes second nature. We do it not realizing that we like it, because it is second nature. And it derives from centuries, a millennia ago, based off of the Greeks and the Romans, and establishing this. And to go the next step forward, Western culture, especially in the 18th century, took on a new approach. Is that now... People really want my product. People really want me to do X, Y, and Z. But, I need to do it in a faster time, and I need to make sure people are working longer so we can create more products and make this more efficient. Thus, the Industrial Revolution was born. And to make that even more prevalent in our society, Henry Ford came up with the assembly line, which expounded upon this notion of that we got to spend less, make more, and make higher products, and make sure that our workers are working longer, and it's costing us less. That was the notion that was created. And those bones that were created then are still in a semblance today. Now, do not get me wrong. I am not talking against capitalism and I'm not promoting socialism. Do not misinterpret this. I'm just saying that is our culture. And we're wrapped around it as if there's no other option. Because it's become second nature to us. It is the norm. It is this norm that has caused us to look at things at a lesser value because we do not want to spend the time nor the effort to fix the problem. We want it fast or replaced. And that's exactly what you would expect in our modern microwave culture. Everything has to be effective, efficient, and fast. And it, again, has to be pleasing to the consumer. That is how we view everything. And that is how we can look at artwork as well. There are two different types of art that we will look at today. And that is in the spectrum of organic and geometric. When we think of organic, we automatically think of natural. Things that just come as they are. They are free-flowing. They, they have no specific design. 
but geometric. They have edges, they have curves, they have things that are strategic is geometric. And that we can see in our world. Things that are the natural, things that are of God are organic. We as human beings are organic. Look, looking outside, looking at trees, everything that we see that grows, that is born, is of the natural or is organic. Sure, they have some balance. Sure, there are some symmetries to them. But they do not have the manufactured edge or uh, manipulated twist or turn or linear there's nothing that is perfect in organic style. On the opposite spectrum, there is perfection in geometric form. I once saw a piece of artwork. It was worth uh, somewhere in the ballpark of $15,000. It was in the uh, Little Rock Museum of Art. It was called the world's most perfect line in which the artist took a ruler and you could tell where he had started writing. He on purpose wanted you to see what he had done to make the world's most perfect line. And he measured his paper and drew the lines and everything to make sure that that line was 100% perfect. That is geometric as geometric can be. And that is how we look at people as well is in the geometric. We look for perfection, whether it be in plastic surgery, whether it be in makeup, whether it be do they resemble someone that we know in Hollywood, someone that we saw in a movie? That is how we look at our own society based off of perfection in the geometric, the manufactured, idealistic perspective. And God doesn't work that way. But yet we are ingrained based off of our culture because of that. In 1 Samuel 16, 6 through 7, there was a similar situation in which Samuel himself is enticed based off of the geometric beauty of a man, but not based off of the intent, the organic Ideals set by God and where he's looking for the replacement for Saul because man picked Saul. He was tall. He was handsome. He talked real good. He seemed brave, but he had major eternal, internal, excuse me, flaws that disqualified him the crown. So Samuel's job was to follow God and to find the new king. Well, Samuel thought it was David's older brother, the oldest son of Jesse. 
and he admired, he looked real good, he fit the role, he, he looked the part, but his heart wasn't in the right place. That is the organic part of us. The organic nature we forget. And which God convicts him and lets him know, you're looking with man's eyes, but you're not looking through spiritual eyes to find the one you seek. And which we later find out is David, a man of God's own heart. And that story right there is a testament to our nature at its purest form in which we look over the things that we need to actually see, the imperfection of the inner self, which is the most beautiful part, we ignore it for the exterior. In which we all know David had his problems too which made him imperfect. But we know that God saw beyond that and saw him in his interior love, which is the culture we need to develop, the culture that we can only do through seeking God and praying more, to develop our discernment of others around us and to build others around us to be in the same perspective. We can't continue on the society based on how fast we can do something and based off of solely on exterior beauty alone because that is a society which will end us up in a ditch. Now, in the other perspective of ideals, I talked to you about the West in which our culture and most cultures around the world because of globalization revolve around of is the Western ideals. But where there is a West, there is an East. And in the East... They look at everything in the opposite perspective. The Japanese and the Chinese philosophers of the ancient times, whether it be the Tao, whether it be Confucius, whether it be the Buddhists, they had a different perspective and which, strangely enough, have more of a Christian ideal of the way Jesus taught. And that is... We look at the imperfection and the beauty within the imperfection. We are taught in the New and Old Testament that we must love everyone, whether they are rich or whether they are poor, whether they smell good or not, whether they look good or not. We must value everyone. We must treat everyone as a human. That is the ideals of wabi-sabi in which they look at the imperfections and they idealize those imperfections in the beauty that they represent. They come naturally. It is this naturalistic approach, that organic nature that allowed Santa Samuel 
to find David that the Eastern philosophy zeroes in on. So much so that in the practice of Kintsugi, hopefully I said that right, in that practice, they take broken items because they see value in the broken. In Kintsugi, if they break a bowl or a pot, they invest in that pot or in that bowl and they repair it because the bowl had value. So therefore, they invest to repair it so it can have value again. But this is the best part. In Kintsugi, they will repair it and then with lacquer and then overlay the lacquer with gold. So the value of the item that was broken ends up having more value repaired. And we can take that ideal and think about it. That we ourselves come to God broken. We can lie about it. We can paint ourselves. We can distract ourselves all we want. But we come to God eventually broken, shattered. The world had nothing to do with us because of our culture. But we come to God who embraces our brokenness and repairs us and overlays us with gold because he invests and loves us to repair us and make us a new entity that can be used for his purpose to gain value in others. Now how beautiful is that? And the ideals between East and West. Where West looks at the exterior, the East looks at the interior. In which the West looks at things at quantity over quality. The East looks at quality over quantity. That is the God thing when it comes to the organic nature of humanity, the organic nature of our world. We need to get away from the viewpoints of the geometric so we can see people as they are, to see them as that broken creature but has potential and becoming a vessel that holds this world together. In Eastern philosophy, there is another ideal I would like to mention, and that ideal is Wu Wei, in which things flow naturally, or they flow organically. This is an ideal that we too need to specialize ourselves in, in the natural, that for most people, in which we do a pretty good job, our pastors do a pretty good job in driving this point home, is that we need to equip ourselves to become more of a culture of prayer 
and build that relationship with God to strengthen us so we could be used more within the fivefold ministry and the gifts of the Spirit are used without hesitation. However, whether you be a new Christian or you've been in church all your life, this is not a skill set that is just simple. This is something that comes along with dedication and with practice. And it's something that each and every one of us are we will struggle with. And Wu Wei describes that. That in order to reach Wu Wei to where things flow naturally, first you must fight the current to get to the destination that you're wanting to get on. When you're trying to break a habit, breaking a habit isn't simple. You have to struggle to get to the destination. That is Wu Wei. The beginning is a struggle, but once you have broke it, things flow in the natural. Same in the spiritual. We must practice, we must strive, we must do more. And that routine and that habit to become second nature to us is a struggle. To get out of the Western culture will take us time to equip ourselves in the spiritual, in reading of the Word, the study of the Word, the prayer aspects of it, to build ourselves in the fruits of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, and finding our avenue in the fivefold ministry so we can fulfill the Great Commission. All of that can only be fulfilled once we break ourselves and have ourselves repaired through the spiritual version of Kintsugi and where we can be enlightened in the spiritual version of Wu Wei to be in the natural, the organic flow of God. This world that we live in is as phony and as fake and as geometric in this Western ingrained society as it can be. And it is our obligation to break ourselves from that and to try and repair all those and outreach and spread the word, creating new disciples that are hungry because all this world is hungry to be renewed, to be repaired. They are tired of being broken, but they are hiding their brokenness with a geometric form that is placed in front of them to disguise and to hide the imperfections. But I'll end with this, that we may be worried about imperfections, but an artist, which I truly love the philosophy of this guy, in which he's not a big name artist per se, in which you're going to see his artwork in museums, but you know him. 
Bob Ross. Everybody knows Bob Ross. And which one saying that I truly love from him is that there's no such things as accidents. Or in other words, in this case, there's no imperfections. So there are no mistakes but happy accidents. And that is a philosophy that we can look at today because God provided us the canvas and he started us off teaching us how to paint, but we create the masterpiece. And though we may make mistakes in art, that's the beauty of a painting or that's the beauty of a sculpture. You may have made a quote-unquote mistake, but you can always go over and repair those mistakes to create the final product. Now, I'll ask the same question again. If you break something and it shatters into a hundred, a thousand pieces, what will you do? Are you going to repair it? Are you going to throw it away? Which culture would you rather ingrain yourself in? The culture of, uh, it's lost its value. Or would you like to repair its value and make it more valuable than it was before? Thank you for listening. I ask you again to subscribe. I hope you enjoyed it. Add a comment. Share with your friends. Please add me as a friend on Facebook at Darren Ray Waddles, or you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at D underscore Ray Waddles. And I hope you join me next time on On Top of the Mountain.